You're not made from the best material. Arguably, you're not made well at all. But the woman sewing you has impossible quotas to meet, so eventually you're pulled out from a storeroom. Someone has finally ordered you. You're folded and placed into a box among other shirts. For the next two weeks or so, you spend it jostling and flipping around with the other shirts in the box. After what feels like an eternity, you're finally pulled from the packaging. The person who ordered you starts to pull you over their head. Right at the seam. You're ripped off and chucked to the corner with a send-off of, it was only $5. All that way to wind up in the trash. The fashion industry is a massive polluter, emitting 10% of the global carbon emissions. And fast fashion and the rise of e-commerce has only fed these emissions. It's projected that the industry could hit 25% of the world's carbon budget by 2050. Hard to deny that the fashion industry has a problem. But it's not unsolvable. I'm Jacqueline Swan, and this is Technality, a podcast that explores technology and the future we're headed towards. Today, I'm heading to a digital tailor. When they're using this avatar or digital double to shop online, they're able to actually get a realistic feel of how a garment would actually look on them in close to real time. Meet Tina Ijo. I am the co-founder and chief operating officer of The Fitting Room. Fashion is a lifestyle, and that's why the industry is worth approximately $3 trillion. And that number is only growing with the rise of fast fashion e-commerce, sites that offer cheap products with blanket sizing. They don't fit right, the quality is poor, or you receive a garment that looks nothing like the photo. But the cheap prices and the common understanding that you get what you pay for means you accept not everything will be amazing. To justify that and the cost, it makes sense to just buy multiple items. But the problems this industry causes because of technology could potentially be solved by technology. Yes, so The Fitting Room is a fashion tech startup that is essentially building 3D deep tech infrastructure and network to make the made-to-order supply chain scalable and accessible for the everyday shopper while blurring the lines between physical and digital apparel shopping. I'm from the fashion industry myself. I've been working in the industry for 10 plus years, and I worked for the largest fashion retailer in Denmark. However, with this company, as well as many others in the space, I soon realized that the industry has a severe environmental impact. And with the rise of chasing trends, trying to stay relevant and current and servicing the end consumer, brands over time began a series of events of speeding up the fashion calendar and pushing out a lot of garments. Uh, We no longer actually even have seasonal collections. Now everything has really been drilled down to a weekly sort of injection of new product and trends into the market. And once the pandemic came around, the industry basically was butchered in a way and fell to its knees because this process of producing and pushing out garments was not sustainable from an operational point of view, as well as for the environment. So this is when I truly had my aha moment that we have to shift the narrative within the industry and move away from a traditional push model where mass production is pushed into the market 
based on quote unquote anticipated demand to more of a pull model where the journey begins with the end consumer in which they tell us what they want, when they want it, and most importantly, how it should fit. In order to really tackle some of the major challenges within the fashion industry, we are going to have to intimately blend technology and fashion. And this has traditionally been two areas that have been quite siloed in their approach. And we have to take a different point of view and different perspective on tackling some of the issues within the supply chain. Fast fashion focuses on producing high volumes of clothing that can be sold for cheap. Manufacturing happens in countries by load paid workers, often women and children, who are replicating garments with low quality synthetic material. The fashion is constantly being turned over, leaving no room for seasons, but weekly trends that demand customers buy more to keep their wardrobe up to date. And with the rise of the social media influencer, fast fashion has only grown. I mean, you can't wear the same thing twice in your photos. Influencers make their money by partnering with brands. That's no secret, and there's nothing inherently wrong with making your money this way. The issue comes in when influencers promote unethical, massive-polluting fast fashion brands to their legions of followers. Their followers are for sale, essentially. And we know that they listen. So with their great power, may need to come some great responsibility. The fashion industry accounts for 10% of global carbon emissions. That is more than the aviation and shipping industries combined. Brands on average overproduce by 40% and 84% of that amount either ends up in landfilled or incinerated. And moreover, 50% of all online apparel purchases are returned. And that is directly linked to an archaic sizing model that simply doesn't work. So with the rise of e-commerce, there's been a new sort of buying behavior where customers purchase multiple sizes, try them on at home and return the garments that don't fit, often in conditions that cannot be resold. So eventually this garment also ends up, you know, in the landfill, unfortunately. The issue at hand is so daunting and has been built up over a decade, so to say, that just even looking at where to start could be a bit overwhelming for some brands. And then they're also juggling the fact that they have to, you know, hit certain growth targets yearly. So it's a revolving door of not knowing where to start. However, with some of the players in the market, there has been acknowledgement of them acknowledging that they've been a part of the problem and they're trying to mitigate it. However, the elephant in the room always seems to be that across the board, brands are just producing too much. And we really need to integrate a system that calibrates supply with demand. And this has not been done before. It's, I kind of take a look back at um, the previous way that we used to basically get clothes and that was going to our local tailor and having custom made garments made for us, made to fit us, and usually done with uh, great fabrics that would would last. And with the rise of fast fashion, that model has become obsolete. And brands are now realizing that this is very problematic within the industry, but they're dipping their toes in the space. So they're trying to source more sustainable fabrics or potentially look into resale platforms. However, even with this push, which is fantastic, we're still making too much stuff. The Fitting Room is a deep tech app looking to disrupt the fashion industry. Deep tech referring to a class of startup business that develops new offerings based on tangible engineering innovation or scientific discoveries and advances. We have three deep tech components. So the first component in our solution is an avatar scanning app. 
So what we do is we allow our customers to download our native application. All they have to do is wear form-fitting clothing. They stand in a pose. And then once given the signal, do a 360 turn in either direction. From there, we're able to actually reconstruct a true-to-life avatar of the individual. And we also allow them to select a skin tone that best represents themselves so that when they're using this avatar or digital double to shop online, they're able to actually get a realistic feel of how a garment would actually look on them in close to real time. So they're able to also get a customized garment that suits them, that's delivered to them, and that's for them. And also the future goal that we have in mind is really integrating the physical asset or physical garment to the digital one. So that even when you have this real item, you're able to link back to a virtual space and have that digital identity. We are partnering with a few material science startups. The goal here is to really provide the designers with access to more sustainable and circular fabrics. We also have partnered up with well-vetted made-to-order manufacturers who are following key goals or key SDG goals. And then a future goal of ours also to partner with resale marketplaces. So the goal here is for the garment to fit the customer, but ultimately there could be, you know, certain scenarios where a product does come back and we do not want to landfill that. So our goal is to funnel these products to partner resale marketplaces that they can integrate into their ecosystem. Now, the caveat here is that we plan to bake the fit information of the garment into the actual item itself. So when you are reselling it, any customers that are a part of the resale platform can also virtually try on garments and see if this item would work for them. And then on the back end, we've built out a strong, robust infrastructure that allows them to power this journey end to end. So once the customer creates their avatar, purchases an item, our main fit algorithm kicks in, generates that custom pattern and sends it to partner manufacturers for on-demand production. But we use this back end infrastructure to facilitate this entire process. We sort of dubbed it as the Uber Eats model, but for the fashion industry. So while the fashion industry has problems, they're not unsolvable. After the break, we're going to look at how Tina and The Fitting Room are aiming to be trendsetters in this world of fast trends. Standard vanity sizing for mass-produced clothes came out of the 19th century for the most part. The Napoleonic Wars, the Crimean War, and the American Civil War all required the mass production of uniforms, so a sizing system based on the circumference of the male chest was created. As the 19th century pushed towards the 20th century, ready-to-wear clothes became less taboo. The mass adoption of standardized sizes really came from the need to mitigate profit loss. A sizing chart for the United States was created by taking the measurements of 15,000 women and distilling down the measurements into ones we recognize today. Weight, height, chest, waist, and hip. This sizing chart, though, was flawed primarily pulling Caucasian women from a single socioeconomic class. Eventually, the chart was changed to include more bodies, but still, it's not the most inclusive. Online sizing can be even more unpredictable. If you buy something that doesn't fit right, especially online, you're probably going to return, donate it, or toss it. Either way, there's a good chance that it's just going to end up in a landfill. Fitting Room wants to change that. Our solution is that we are making sizing obsolete. So if you like a garment, you can purchase that item and that item will be made for you, but proportional. So now you don't have to be segmented into certain silos of this is your area, these are the kind of clothes you can wear. You really have access to everything and this is where our algorithm kicks in. 
and ensures that everyone who's shopping on our partner brands websites can purchase an item and it will fit them. I see this industry really taking a head-on approach to truly calibrating supply with demand, only producing products that are purchased and being able to have the technical infrastructure or progress to do that. After the calibration of supply with demand, it's also creating supply that will fit the end consumer. Sizing is not standardized, and it's really based on archaic sizing models that were built up after the Second World War. So right now, the goal is really to build a model that supports fit and that everyone should feel included and everyone should be able to have access to garments that fit them well. From there, it's about transcending the online shopping experience. There hasn't been a major upgrade to e-commerce in I would say 15 years. So it's now time to integrate those elements of a virtual shopping space. And this is probably where the metaverse plays in, where you can have that physical experience in a virtual world. You can have that social experience also in a virtual space as well. And this just also potentially could enhance the experience for the end consumer and also reduce the retail footprint that may not necessarily be needed if you can have a virtual space to play in. But what exactly is the industry doing right now to start combating these issues, knowing that they are producing an unsustainable amount of pollution? One major thing that the industry really needs to be aware of or consumers need to be aware of is if they are purchasing garments that are that are cheap or have a lower price point, they really do have to understand that that is all funneled back to the garment workers and garment sewers who are not being paid a livable wage. So I also, before we even introduce tech, it's really also communicating that understanding or message to the market and really having them understand that certain price points are needed to support the workers who are actually making your clothes. And with the tech, the tech just augments this experience because it also allows us to leverage and utilize certain technologies to help get the price point down. It's not directly affecting the lives of individuals, but also just having them be included. So we're not, the robot sewers are not going to replace the garment workers, but it's just a new way of working and having them included in this process and ensuring that we can get certain price points down, but as well as pay the sewers a livable wage. At this point in time, our ecosystem does work for brands that retail at 80 USD and above. So think of Aritzia all the way to Hermes. It's a big market segment and it's a big segment that can actually make a lot of difference. But the future or overall goal is for us to actually introduce robotic sewers so we can move manufacturing to near shore facilities and get that price point down. That is definitely our ultimate dream is to really convert the entire industry. And that includes being inclusive to price point as well. Before we finished, I asked Tina where she'd like to see the industry go in the next few years. So the future of fashion, in my opinion, is intimately blending the technical and creative side. And this is the world that we need to build to ultimately make a difference. I like to think of it as technology bringing us back to our roots and bringing us back to that custom tailored experience where you used to walk into your local tailor and have a, an actual garment made for you. And tech is going to help us get back to that narrative. What people in the fast fashion space can do right now is perhaps take a step back, ask themselves if they truly need certain items and if it's only items to really promote on social media, taking a look at some of the digital first fashion brands. DressX is essentially making a shift to digital only fashion. 
and being able to just virtually show garments to your followers and express yourself from that point of view. So that's definitely a way to step in from a more sustainable standpoint. Unless you have dreams of living in a nudist colony, you will probably need to continue buying clothes. However, the mass weekly turnover of low-cost, low-quality clothes that the market has adopted is not the future we should be aiming towards. A quality garment might cost a little more, but it will pay off in the long run for more reasons than just money. Of course, this is easier said than done, but as Tina showed, the answer might be to merge tech with fashion to solve the issues that merging tech with fashion have created. Thank you for listening to Technality, a Narcity Media podcast. It's hosted and produced by me, Jacqueline Swan. To never miss an episode about where your future is going, subscribe to Technality wherever you listen to your podcasts. And for more future content, follow Technality's socials 